Welcome to Path to CytusCon, the podcast for developers who love Postgres, where we discuss the human side of open source databases, Postgres, of course, and the many PG extensions. Uh, thank you to the team at Microsoft for sponsoring this community conversation about Postgres. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Giordano. And I'm Pino DeCandia. Today's topic is my journey into Postgres benchmarking. I have the pleasure of introducing Yelta Fenemanio. Yelta is a principal engineer at Microsoft, works on the Citus extension that distributes Postgres, and the managed service Azure Cosmos DB for PostgreSQL. Yelta is also a PG Bouncer maintainer, a sporadic PostgreSQL contributor. He's based in the Netherlands and did a master's in systems and network engineering from the university at the University of Amsterdam. Yelta, welcome. Hi, happy to be here. And I have the pleasure of introducing Marco Slot. Marco used to work for Citus Data and then Microsoft for many years. So he spent years working on and thinking about, dreaming about Citus and distributed Postgres. Uh, Marco earned his PhD in distributed systems at Trinity College Dublin. And he once worked at AWS on CloudFront and now works at Crunchy Data, also based in the Netherlands. Welcome, Marco. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, good to be back on this podcast, my, my second <laughs> appearance. That's right. You were um, on the very first episode, along with Simon Willison. Uh, you were both keynoters for um, last year's CitusCon uh, virtual event for Postgres. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. You you helped us pave the way to create this thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's a great uh, great platform. I really enjoyed the conversation then back with, uh, with Simon about like working in, in public and open source. Um, so if anyone's interested, I recommend it's uh, or well, I mean, you should watch, you, you should listen to all the podcasts. They're all pretty good. I mean, the, the lineup is amazing. One of the things we do is we put show notes when we publish the podcast, so we'll be sure to drop a link to the 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 episode with you and Simon um, into those notes. Okay, um, the topic today, though, is my journey into Postgres benchmarking or database benchmarking. Um, and we have so many questions about why, when, and how both of you skilled up on performance benchmarking and how it's been useful to you in your work on Postgres and your work on Citus. Um, so I, I kind of want to start with your personal stories, like, um, and we'd like to ask each of you the same question. Can you, can you tell us a story about your very first performance benchmarking experience? Even if you were 18 years old, like, you know, how, how did you first get your feet wet? So I, I can it. start. Uh, so in university, uh, at, at some point I did... I did some benchmarking of, I don't even remember. The, I think it was MySQL because that was somehow the easiest to to run the benchmark on. Um, and it, it was comparing containers and um, microkernels uh, performance between them to see if if micro microkernels they're like sort of like containers but they run directly on the on the hypervisor and supposedly they're much faster. So. I wanted to find out if that if that was actually true, and at least the benchmark I found on the internet that that I ran that that was quite a bit faster for the hyper, uh, for the microkernels um, than in Docker, so that was uh, that that was quite uh, 
yeah, that's, I guess that's my story. Was this an assignment that everybody in class had to do and where, you know, the syllabus clearly specked out like where to find the tools and what to use and what to do? Or was this just you being curious? No, this was uh, like the, the assignment was to sort of do, uh, we had to do some sort of tiny research uh, thing, but we could sort of choose something ourselves. Uh, so so I came up with this together with uh, another student. Cool. Uh, I have to Marco, ask, does, it, does anyone run databases in microkernels? I you know don't know if anyone that does, but it's, I mean, it's maybe it's idea. maybe it's a good idea, yeah. I think it was even faster than running it on a, like, like on a VM. Like, sure. because, because you sort of, you sort of remove the whole, this, the idea is that you remove the whole system call stuff because you only have one process, basically. MySQL or Postgres becomes the kernel, which is very strange, but, and hard to debug because logs, where do they go? How do you, all your normal debugging stuff goes away. Maybe we should do another episode on on all the places you can run Postgres, and 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 we'll see if we if microkernels come in at that point. It sounds like a good plan. Could be a long episode. Um, <laughs> okay, Marco, what about you? I, I've I've good experience. Uh, I have fun memories of hacking microkernels at the VU where they were building Minix uh, Minix three at the time. But but my my benchmarking story starts at. Amazon in 2008 when I joined the CloudFront team, which was still uh, pre pre launch at the time, and I joined as the intern. And being the intern, of course, uh, I had to do benchmarks. <laughs> um, and because we hadn't launched yet, we had bought bought a bunch of servers around the world, but we we weren't taking significant traffic. So the question was like, what's our actual capacity like once we start getting some customers? Um, and uh, I mean, at the time we were using, uh, well, we were using Squid as the web server, which is this ancient piece of software. But, and then also the benchmarking tool is called Polygraph. I don't know if it still exists, but basically it simulates uh, kind of web traffic. And so you can point that at a web cache and then see kind of how, how well it does and like how hard you can push it. Um, but I was kind of doing this and I was like, the benchmark has many different parameters in terms of request size and the distribution, or is it a big uniform distribution of every key, every every URL gets requested the same amount of time, or is it more Zipian? And we realized, like, I had no idea what the traffic was going to look like once we were actually uh, starting to get customers. So then I started diving much deeper into the system and kind of using the the benchmarks more to understand like the low level details of like what how how much how much effort do we need to spend uh for a particular type of request so basically creating a model of um you know what what are the variables of the request that matter and like what are what is the expected amount of work that that needs to be done and that way we could actually get a pretty good understanding of our our, our utilization and our capacity once we uh once we went live and uh i i, I guess that work sort of uh, ended up give, uh, buying me a sort of remote part-time position at Amazon when I was doing a PhD, which was quite unusual at the time. 
Um, and then the fact that I was a remote part-time employee when like talking to the Citus data founders, they were like, whoa, no one, no one has that. <laughs> we should hire this guy. So it was actually that benchmark was a, uh, benchmarking work was a quite important moment in my early career. Um, and then when it came to Citus data, of course, the first thing I had to do was benchmarking. Um, so we ran these uh, TPCH benchmarks on Citus at the time. This was um, er earlier days, a different time when um, distributed, like large scale analytical SQL systems were kind of in their infancy. Uh, and Citus was actually pretty early in, in being it to able to do like large scale distributed joins. So we kind of wanted to uh, evaluate that. And so we, we, we got a good understanding out of, um, out of the system, but we also found like a lot of um, limitations and uh, kind of you know, architectural performance issues that um, we knew would take a very long time to, to address. So I, I think from that point onwards, we, we started veering away a little bit from uh, like targeting the type of data warehousing workloads that that uh, TPCH kind of simulates, and more into uh, other types of workloads like uh, software as a service and 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 multi-tenancy and uh, real-time analytics. So that was uh, also quite quite interesting work. And then later uh, inside us, we started getting more in the uh, into kind of transactional uh, benchmarks. Um, and then, yeah, Yelta, I guess, also has worked a lot on uh, on those. You know, you both have touched on, um, you know, the different reasons people run performance benchmarks, right? I mean, Yelta's example was like the canonical case of comparative performance benchmarking, right? Wanting to to do a bake-off, if you will, and understand like which one of these performs better. And then, but what you're talking about is like understanding the the utilization and the capacity and the costs and what's performing well and what's not well just within a particular thing like in your case more recently it was Citus um, and that literally caused a, a shift in the go to market strategy from data warehouses to SaaS applications and other types of workloads which I think is fascinating like it just shows you how important understanding performance is. Yeah, I mean it's an it's an incredibly tedious thing to do. I don't like benchmarking, but it's also uh, often often one of the the highest impact things you can do uh, if you kind of uh, well, I I kind of want to say if you manage to answer the question that you're trying to answer. Though very often the question kind of only starts appearing once you run a bunch of benchmarks. Um, like it's it, it wasn't obvious that you know running TPCH benchmarks would kind of influence our go-to-market strategy. It was more like, oh, how do we compare to like a system called Impala at the time? And uh, Spark SQL was in a very early stage, super unreliable, but we were kind of comparing against that. Um, and, and actually we did pretty well, but we also realized that, uh, let's say compared to a Redshift, which was appearing that, we, that, that, there was a huge gap, um, so that uh, and, and that was a little bit kind of an unexpected uh, sort of finding in a way. But um, yeah, that like benchmarking is always sort of a journey. You don't 
uh, you have a sort of sense of where you want to go, but then you like you learn about the thing you're measuring, and based on that, you start asking other questions, and then you you end up in an entirely different place. Often, um, it's, it's I often think of it sort of visually as a, as a sort of landscape where you're walking through, and you cannot cover the whole landscape. You know, you're always covering, you're just walking some kind of path through it. Of like, yeah, I can look at this and this and this and this, but not everything else. Um, but still, as you walk, you kind of learn more and, and, and see, the, see, see the next hill and, and the next hill. Um, so that's, that's kind of what makes it also fascinating. Tedious, but fascinating. You, you make it sound uh, dreamy and, and pleasant of a walk. Well, you have to because it's super annoying to do. <laughs> like, you have to sort of motivate yourself, right? Like it's the, 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 the challenge is often that it's uh, the, well, A, like in terms of the problem space, like, benchmarks have this sort of exponential space, right? Like there's maybe thousands of dimensions, uh, variables, like which influence the performance of a system. And you're often just changing one of those, but pretty quickly you might find that you're, you're bottlenecked, like you're measuring something stupid, like something, you're measuring the client or something, something silly happens. Um, and every, every iteration takes several hours to go through. So you only learn this very, very slowly. And that's, that's kind of part of the frustrating, uh, the frustration. But if you, if you imagine it being nice, you know, being a nice landscape, then it's, it helps kind of going through with it. I, th I think that I also don't like running benchmarks. I think that's, that's, that's one thing we definitely have in common, Marco. But one thing I do like is like finding out things that you didn't expect. I think that's the, in doing benchmarks just for sort of the sake of getting the numbers, it, it's, not, it's, not so much, it's not so much fun. Uh, but doing benchmarks and finding out that something you didn't expect is very slow, or actually something is very fast, even though you didn't know, that's, th those things are, like sort of the results are nice, but to get there, indeed, it's usually a long and tedious journey. Maybe I'll chime in and, and ask uh, um, Adam's question from the chat. Adam asks, should benchmarks become declarative, fully automated, and reproducible? Bench ops like DevOps, but for benchmarking methodology? Well, I mean, the, the obvious answer would be yes, uh, but. <laughs> uh, so the, um, I, I think one of the things you find like once you start running benchmarks is like which dimensions matter and those might not be the dimensions that you expected and had built automation around um and so it's it, it's pretty hard um and 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 this can differ for for every system every database system even for different workloads um, so it quite often happens that you, you know, you build all this sort of nice automation to, you know, change all the, like run different configurations of Postgres, use different disks, using different, um, machine types. But then it turns out that actually we needed multiple driver nodes. Otherwise we're just measuring the capacity of the driver node. And now I need to go and like rebuild my whole sort of. Uh, benchmarking system to to support drive multiple driver nodes um and that's a lot of work and uh the the type of work is often like very context dependent are we you know starting with like are we mostly doing this on one cloud provider or uh 
like, are we, are we, is, is it about a database system or a distributed database system or single node or something with read replicas? Uh, like they all kind of tend to have different, different requirements. Uh, and, and actually building something good that covers a really broad range of benchmarks for a broad range of systems. It's just extremely hard and perhaps not very economically viable because it's, you know, you don't, you, you cannot easily sell it, right? Like it's, it's easier to build something that you can sell because then you get some money and you can invest it in a product. But with, with benchmarks, that's, that's often a little bit trickier because the value is sort of, sort of uh, not, not, not directly coming out of the benchmark itself. Yeah, I think I think everyone that's that ran benchmarks, almost everyone that that's run benchmarks for a significant amount of time, they got their own sort of automation to run the specific benchmarks they needed to run, and then probably they shared it with people, and then no one used it, or I don't know, like a few people used it, uh, but then it slowly faded into the to the past because the next next person needed to run different benchmarks or different types of machines. So stuff gets outdated also very quickly, these kind of things. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, there are attempts to, um, like, especially for database benchmarking, there's, uh, there's Benchbase, which is a kind of uh, somewhat generic, extensible database benchmarking tool. Um, so, like, and, and it's kind of uh, built by, by CMU, the university, but you know, with many maintainers, like, uh, and and hopefully that that project keeps keeps going and keeps keeps improving, um, but it's it's it, it's a lot of work and uh, you know some someone needs to be willing to put in all that effort to uh, to to write a good tool for benchmarks and then keep it keep it up so we can you know still use it ten years from now um, and that's uh, yeah economically that's that's often challenging but um, technically you know like yeah like everyone wants better tools for for benchmarking and also like if if you're building a, a cloud platform ideally at an early stage you already start building some automation around this but again like you probably have customers asking for things so are you going to do the the thing that the customer asked for or are you going to you know build this benchmarking infrastructure that you might only use a few times as you mentioned like it's um the the economic choice is, is difficult so it Usually ends up with a lot of manual labor and kind of very narrow tools that uh, that do automation, but for a specific system and, and set of scenarios. Okay, so you mentioned Benchbase, and I dropped a link into the chat. Um, one of one of the things I really want to explore are from both of you, Yelta and Marco, are links to your favorite resources, blogs, websites, tools, things that helped you either initially learn about how to do effective performance benchmarking or just you know gave you that tip that solved that one little problem even after you were an expert at it um what what are your pointers what are your recommendations favorite tools marco go first please um yeah so apart from benchbase like another tool we uh like I've used a lot in the past. Yelp has used like HammerDB is is a pretty nice benchmarking tool for uh, different relational databases. I think they have Oracle, SQL Server, MySQL, uh, Postgres, probably DB2, and then they implement uh, some some variant of of TPCC and TPCH. 
Um, and it's it's a pretty well maintained tool. Um, the code and can it's be not a database. Just to be clear, to no, anyone yeah, who's that's, listening. That's, yeah, that's a bit confusing about like HammerDB. Like usually we we name databases. Uh, like if if it's DB in the name, you think it's a database, but it's it's purely a benchmarking tool. It, it doesn't store it, your it, data. It hammers the databases. Yeah. Oh, that um, makes sense. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and it's also it's published by the TPC, which is like the the Transaction Performance Council, which defines all the the sort of the most well-known most standard uh, benchmarks um and then um yeah i, th I think I, I sort of have a, a love-hate relationship with with sort of tpc ben or tpc benchmarks and tpch tpcc um like in a way it has this problem of this is only one specific workload and it's often a pretty strange workload, especially I find TPCH pretty strange because it's 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 just not um, it, it doesn't link very well to the way people usually use their their analytics databases. Um, but it, they are pretty usually most of these TPC benchmarks they are pretty good ways to stress a system. Like it's really hard for a database to answer a TPCH query, and it's it's, it's pretty hard to uh, to do all the sort of different TPCC transactions concurrently, um, so I, I, I do like it a lot as a as a benchmarking tool. Um, I mean, there's Hammer obviously PG. yeah, yeah. Okay. And there's there's obviously like Postgres comes with PG Bench, and um, I mean this this is a very like simplistic benchmarking tool. I mean, you you could use it to run your own files, which is kind of neat. Um, but the the built-in workloads there, uh, like. They're they're extremely basic, where they're just always looking up a single row, for example, or updating a single row, which is not, you know, what tends to happen in practice. But again, for studying specific aspects of the system, uh, like it, it can actually be very nice that you have this very clean benchmark that's that's only doing one one particular thing. Um, so it it also depends on like. What what kind of thing are you interested in? What kind of question are you interested in answering? Uh, which which benchmarking tool kind of makes the most sense? Um, uh, I think another one is is that we use a lot or used a lot is YCSB. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it, it's it's for really simple queries basically. It's it's much closer to too many too many sort of web websites that do like. Simple update, simple delete, simple read, uh, and and not not much else. Uh, that's like their main. That's the main. It it, it pretends to be Yahoo. It's like a Yahoo uh, benchmark, basically. Um, so it's like fetching something from, or it's, at least it's made made by the, by Yahoo at some point. And yeah, so it, it just does very simple queries. So that's and but it does a lot of them. So that's that's why it's that. That's what makes it difficult to manage as a database. And apart from that, I think this is all how to run the benchmarks. But that's, I mean, that's normally for me. That's like half of half of the running the benchmarks. Like the the tool that runs the benchmark is like half of it. Like the rest is creating machines, setting them up in a in a way that you want to measure. So it's much more. It's much more like managing 
the database itself and simply and, and easily being able to spawn that and uh, and setting up a machine with this database benchmark on it. So there, I mean, there's there's many tools to do this, but it it really depends where you want to benchmark as well. If you want to, for instance, you want to benchmark VMs against Kubernetes or something, you can't use the Kubernetes stuff for the VMs. You have to use uh, like the Terraform or ARM templates or uh, CloudFormation, uh, some of those to sort of create the infrastructure to be able to run your benchmarks. And if you're using like actual bare metal, then it's even harder. Or you set it up once and then you need to do some own some of your own automation maybe with with even even some other tools so it's comparing comparing things and setting up this the system itself is already a big task usually when when doing benchmarks yelta you're 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 saying that for the setup part it sounds like you're saying always use a declarative tool in any case yes yeah you don't want to because it, I think that's the that's one of the main things I learned at least is like your first benchmark, your first probably your first five runs they're gonna be wrong. You you messed up something. Uh, that's like uh, you configured something incorrectly, and so you have to you have to redo it. You have to redo them. So you have to need to have an easy way to recreate sort of the system that you had because you're gonna do it five times anyway. That's that's my uh, sort of my my rule of thumb. I remember reviewing a blog post that you wrote sometime last year, and it was about I'll, I'll go look up the link in a second, but it was about how to benchmark performance, right? Of Postgres using HammerDB, you were running it on Azure, and I remember reviewing the draft, and like the first sentence had like multiple exclamation marks with like your main advice to anybody running benchmarks is automate it, right? That yeah. Yeah, that's still that's still my main advice. I think that's that's like the only way to not go crazy when doing benchmarks. Because otherwise every every time something goes wrong, you're like, no, no. And then and if you automated it, at least it's like, okay, well, I just press a button, I wait another day or another few hours. Instead of having to reset up the whole machines or yeah. Yeah, I think that the earlier the auto you automate, like the the less regret you'll have later on. Um, even if you like want to know the results sooner, like it's it's probably better to spend a little bit more time on on automating. Um, the like I think that's that's maybe one thing that has has improved over the years. I remember especially doing the TPCH stuff a long time ago inside of Zeta. It was all kind of cloud formation based, and it's it's at the time or at the time cloud formation was especially tedious in terms of syntax and it like actually testing the uh, the the template took like usually an hour as well so it's uh, it's kind of hard to debug these um, these automation tools but but still like you'll you'll regret it later if you don't spend a good bit of time on that first um, and the other thing that's important for in terms of tooling is just like any kind of introspection um, I mean in a way like the the most important thing in benchmarking is to sort of understand what you measured like you you get a result but you there, there's no way of knowing what what a certain queries per second means um if, if you don't have like additional data and clues to 
to back up, to build some kind of mental model of like, why am I getting this result? Um, so like profiling tools are kind of useful for, uh, can be useful, but you also want to sort of collect a lot of metrics on you know, how much IO is the, is the system doing, like using things like IO stat, uh, how much CPU and, um, because it's, it's, you know, pretty much always happens. I would say like 99% of the time, there's a point where you realize you just, you were just measuring the performance of the client, not the performance of the, the system under test. Um, I mean, that happens a lot. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's good to gather a lot of metrics, uh, through various tools to, uh, to, to have, have at least a mental model of like what's going on when you run the benchmark. And when you say profiling tools, what, what are you specifically talking about? I mean, we worked a lot with, uh, with, with perf. It's, it's a pretty nice tool on, on Linux that can, uh, Kind of give you sort of the. I mean, one one way to use it is to kind of generate this flame graph of uh, where the CPU spends its time in different different functions of your program. So that gives you a kind of good sense of of, of uh, what's actually happening, and it can also be very helpful for uh, performance optimization. If you, I mean, that can be a reason to run a benchmark. Is like I want my system to be faster. Uh, then, uh, you know, you run the benchmark, but then at the same time, you run tools like perf to see what is the system actually doing? Where is it spending most of its time? Um, and then, uh, you might see that there's like one function that's just like copying a lot of memory around, for example. Um, so that's, that's quite an important tool, but I think it depends a bit on the language. If like you're benchmarking software in go or Java, there be other profiling tools. But in the end, most of them are able to generate flame graphs. So it's 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 more it's not so much. I wouldn't say it's so much a tool uh, itself that matters. It's more like the output of the tool in this case. Um, a flame graph is really useful, like a general sort of perf report of on functions, like uh, how much time is spent in what function. It can also be fine. But those kind of things, uh, those kind of things are very useful. Any other profiling favorite types of visualizations or tools or, um, I don't know, even like conceptual resources, like the book you read when you were 25 years old that really helped you understand that whole space of introspection? I'm just looking for tips for someone who is not yet an expert the way you both are with benchmarking, but wants to be? How do they get uh, I, I, I would say the, one of the most important things is be, even before you do perf, I think good to reiterate sort of Marco, Marco mentioned the bit is, is, to, is to get metrics of, of everything. Because usually there's one thing that's the bottleneck. It's like either you're using all your disk, either you're using all of your CPU. And even then if you're profiling the wrong thing, it, I mean, you're just wasting, wasting your time. Because if, if CPU is the bottleneck and you're, and you're looking at, Oh, let's see how many disk updates it do, this thing does. I mean, it, it it's not gonna not gonna matter if you if you improve that at all. So it's it's first important to find out what the bottleneck is, usually, and then and then uh, get a performance report of that, a flame graph of or or some IO stat, uh, IO statistics, something like that to uh, to find out 
how you can improve the final performance because that's you that's when you're doing these kind of things that's what you want to do you have you have some performance at the start and you want to have a higher number at the end what what are you using yeah. for plotting and graphing is is that built into some of the tools you mentioned or do you use something else in well i i, I use htop a lot it's like like sort of uh task manager or basically like uh it just shows if CPUs are busy or if I/O is busy or what processes are are doing a lot. So I just sort of general look at look at my computer and see what it is doing. Um, that's one thing. And usually I do benchmarks in Azure, and there, like uh, there's 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 metrics on the like it tracks metrics from from the from the machine itself, like how how much how much I/O operations IOPS it. It is doing and it's allowed to do, and how much bandwidth it's allowed, uh, network and disk, and how much CPU it's using. So you can, if like one one of those graphs is like at hundred percent, well, you you almost certainly found your bottleneck. That's uh, that, that's that's the thing you should improve. And 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 are there tools to save uh, data of successive runs, or is that something you just have to sort of self-organize? What do you capture from every run? You know, from every iteration. In in general, that's something that, that's something you have to self-organize. At least in my experience, I don't. I mean, there's some. I, I think HammerDB, for instance, it it's it can take some metrics, sort of from the database itself, uh, and save those automatically. But like I said before, like the thing you're running it on is also a big part of your benchmark. And that's that changes so like it's a thing you're running, it's a benchmark you're running, and the thing you're running it on. Uh, so the, the, this combination of things is so is so large that that uh, that there's not really good tooling around it, at least not for everything. Mm -hmm. You you have to yeah. So I just want to point out that. Um... Relating to what you were just saying, Yelta, uh, while you were talking, Marco dropped a link to a web page that Brendan Gregg built out that has links to documentation and articles and presentations that he's given on performance. So I just want to, for anyone who's never heard of Brendan Gregg, he originally worked at Sun Microsystems, which is probably back when I first met him ages ago. And um, he is just well known in Linux. Um, for having done a lot of work on performance. So anyway, I'm looking at that webpage right now, and it does look super useful for anyone who wants to kind of spin up and learn a lot more in this space. And there's a lot of YouTube videos here as well, as Melanie points out. So um, it, I'm curious. Definitely brandongreg.com. is like when you get really deep into performance benchmarking, like this is the resource. Um, and, and he's probably like... The world's leading expert on this topic. He has some books I see now, so maybe those, uh, maybe I should get those because, um, like, pr pretty much all the content on there is it's deeply technical, but sometimes it's it can be a lifesaver. Um, I mean, we've we've had this um, sort of locking issue in in the past where, um, like, we we ended up generating these what, what's called here off CPU flame graphs, and there's like a description on his website of how to how to get those, and that that made us realize that it was in fact a locking issue. Um, and um, yeah, like it also describes how to make flame graphs, how to use uh, advanced tools like eBPF and 
uh, and other things like perf. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the resource, uh, especially for kind of more more advanced performance studies. Um, I, I've, I've never found a better better website than than that. Um, even for simple performance studies, I think it's very good because it has all, all kinds of perf commands that you can just copy paste and they do the thing that you want it to do. Because like the flags to perf, they're not something I can remember. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, and there's there's also some aspect of benchmarking where it's um, you need to build up a sort of a mental model of the system and, and how it behaves and what it does, again, to kind of understand why you're getting a particular results. Right, like for for example, for database workloads, one important, very hidden variable that's not really there, there's there's nowhere where where you can see it. You just have to sort of imagine it being there. Is the size of the working set, and 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 when we say size of the working set. It's like you know what is the part of your data that's very actively queried and therefore uh, typically cached in memory. I mean, if that's larger than your memory, then you're going to suddenly do a lot more I.O., which is going to sort of make your results a lot worse, uh, probably because I.O. is slower than, uh, than memory. But th there isn't a specific way of, of measuring a working set or like it's not really a number. It's more of a pattern, a, a sort of distribution. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I've not seen like super good tools for those kind of things. It, it helps to have a little bit of an intuition of like, hey, there, there is this thing called the working set. And if my benchmark workload involves querying every key in the table and the table is super huge, bigger than my memory, then probably this, this working set thing is gonna be an issue. Whereas if the workload is more kind of concentrated on a small number of keys, a small amount of data, then it's going to be more of an in-memory workload. Um, so that's also one of the hard things about benchmarking, that there's like this, these hidden, hidden parameters, hidden um, metrics that aren't actually very easy to, uh, to measure, but can be extremely important. You know, I realized that in this conversation, I've been asking all my questions of you, Marco, and you, Yelta. But Pino, you've done engineering for years and years and years and years. Um, I'm curious, did you ever work on performance benchmarking? Oh gosh, I've got to. I've got to admit, I probably got out of it by pushing it to people who liked it more than I did or disliked it less uh, than I did. I'm trying to think of. Um, very early on, I might have done some some benchmarks, but very rudimentary, and and it's lost to memory now. But I was going to ask, you know, that in that regard, that many people coming to benchmarks are probably looking, you know, coming at it as developers that have uh, other components in their system beyond the database. And I was wondering if Yelta or Marco have advice about, you know, what 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 should we be benchmarking? What 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 should a developer be benchmarking? The whole system, break or breaking it into components right away. Uh, any advice about that? Like an application developer that that uses a database, right? Right. Yes. I think in general, it's it. What sort of the recommended approach then is is to find out what sort of your most used queries are, or the queries that are that you know are currently very slow, because that's uh, and then and then benchmark those. So you have a few important queries that you care about because you. you any website is going to do. There's some admin interface that does some query that you don't really care about. It's 
a bit slow or a bit fast or it's, it's never run, so it doesn't matter. Um, but there's a few that are either so slow that they break the whole system and or that you run so often that any small improvement there is going to make everything else also measurably faster. So it, generally, it's it's sort of those are the queries you wanna you wanna test. So I mean, your whole system is possible, but it's uh, then you have to sort of make your own benchmark suite out of your system, and it's much easier to if you have a few queries to use those queries in, for instance, PG Bench to to sort of simulate your system a little bit, like the important parts of your system. Right, that makes sense because you'd, you'd be throwing away all the standard tools if you if you were just testing your API or your, your website and right. Yeah, I mean, you can also do like sort of full like it, it depends if you want to benchmark your database or your actual website. Also, if you sort of know where the bottleneck is, then you can. If you know the bottleneck is in the database, then you can just do the queries. Otherwise, you might actually want to need to sort of. Send many HTTP requests to like a staging environment, and see what your what your own system is doing. So Yalta, is there is there a tool that can look at the application and help create or simulate workloads right for your performance benchmarking that are close to the actual application's workload? And I'm I'm literally quoting a question from Bilal in the chat that seems relevant to this thread. Do you know of um, such a I think there might be some some proxy layers that sort of detect what what web pages get visited often, um, or like what what patterns get visited often. But in in general, you don't really need to benchmark the things that happen often, and most of the time, you already sort of know which those are, or at least it's fairly simple to look up if you have so, if you have any kind of metrics or logs on your on your website or your database. And then you can you can use those to create a list of things to to put in it's sort of a generic a generic sort of a load tester application. For the for your for Postgres that's PG Bench for your website that's I mean it's been a while since I since I did but when I did it was WRK I think was the sort of the, the thing to use back then. But that's I mean those things change. But like, give it a few URLs and just make it to send requests to those many, many times, and as quickly as possible, and see what what kind of breaks or where, or then profile your system to see where it's spending time. Okay. And I guess I also wanted to address oh, Marco. Go ahead and chime in if, if that. Yeah, I was going to say I've 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 not seen great tools for Postgres specifically in this area. I mean, some of the commercial vendors or SQL Server, Oracle, they tend to have decent tools for kind of workload replay, where you kind of capture workload and then sort of try to amplify it by uh, until uh, you know your system is fully loaded, so you have some good sense of how far you can scale on your current hardware. Um, I mean, there's definitely some some open source tools out there as as well, but yeah, it's also I, I guess we've also often have been in this situation of uh, of a of a database engineer, right? So you don't you don't care about one specific workload, you care about all workloads, 
um, and you're trying to find sort of somewhat generic representative uh, things. But yeah, as an application developer, you you it's useful to have such a replay tool. But in lieu of that, like uh, as as Yelta said, like if if you can find the core piece of your workload, I mean that the 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 other seventy things that your application does probably don't matter that much. Like it's 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 this this hundred thousand selects per second plus this large update that you're doing that's probably going to dominate uh, the the work. What about when? Any advice about when? Um is the right time to benchmark. Uh, often it's, you know, we're, we're, we're about to launch, so we better benchmark and make sure it won't fall over. Or we need to scale up, um, and maybe it's going to start costing too much. But any, any advice uh, about um, benchmarking that's not quite as reactive? I mean, it depends on, like, what, like, what kind of... Uh... Like there's not one thing to achieve with benchmarking. There's like a variety of things as we've already gone over. Oh, I, I want to know how much capacity I have left once, or I want to sort of you know <laughs> define my product strategy. Or uh, of course, like one uh, conventional recurring thing is like releasing new software, for example. Um, I mean, that's that's a good place where. Uh, let's say with uh, with Citus as a project uh, but also Postgres like before finalizing the release there's like a ton of benchmarks that are kind of done in an automated way to compare uh different versions and maybe it is a good segue into like it was brought up in the chat like Mark Callahan uh who's on on Twitter um has been has been enormously helpful uh, resource in terms of database performance benchmarking. He spends a lot of his time running benchmarks on different versions of Postgres, of My MySQL, um, kind of seeing whether there's uh, regressions, improvements, uh, testing specific patches sometimes, um, and, and testing it in, in, in different ways, different angles. Um, and so that's... Uh, that's an enormously helpful thing for the, the whole community that we can see that when when things are getting slower and um, yeah, software projects like database software projects, they uh, the, the bigger ones they have to have some kind of automated benchmarking infrastructure that's usually especially around the release, um, sometimes even like much more frequent than that uh, because and, and in that case the question is. Did we regress on performance? Because you know it's easy to make a a small code change that actually makes everything slower, but you know all your unit tests, all your regression tests pass, um, but actually the, the the system is now slower. Um, but yeah, it depends a lot on what kind of question you want want answered and when you want that question answered. I know I've I've learned a lot in my career by following some key people on Twitter, and um, I know plenty of engineers who follow Mark Callahan. So if you're listening and you don't know him, it's Mark Callahan DB is his username on Twitter, and there's a G in the Callahan and two L's. So you can find it with a search now. Super. Super useful. And he shares a lot, right? Which goes back to that first podcast topic that you and Simon Willison talked about, Marco, which is like working in public. Um, I really appreciate people who do share their epiphanies and their learnings and their observations. 
um, because the rest of us can benefit. Yeah, no, I, I definitely recommend checking that out because, or just following because you, you'll get a, a stream of, of very interesting, very useful information about uh, different kinds of database software over time. Even if you're not a database engineer, it's, it's actually very interesting. So when you talked about, I want to release new software and make sure I don't regress, I mean, that kind of brings up the whole question of, um, you know, how does benchmarking fit into your software release workflows um, and CI workflows? Um, what are your thoughts on that beyond what you just said? Um, is there more to it? Is this a whole, a whole rabbit hole in itself? Um, yeah, I think benchmarking is by definition a rabbit hole because of, uh, again, like the number of dimensions is so large, you can only study a very small space. And it's very easy to, you know, like, okay, we, we run all these transactional and analytical benchmarks, and we feel like we've, we've captured, um, like, a, a, a spectrum of sorts. But uh, actually, um, I don't know, maybe the large batch updates suddenly became very slow. And I mean, there's very few benchmarking tools that try to do large batch updates. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty easy to, um, to have these blind, blind spots. So it's, it's definitely important that um, you have this kind of suite of tools and also like not look at one configuration of the system, but at least try several. And again, it's like, it's a, it's a super tiny amount of data out of like this enormously multidimensional space that you're, you're trying to understand. But um, yeah, and, and having that automated is, is pretty essential. So um, yeah, I think typically with Citus, if we did a release there, there was this whole suite of, of different, uh, different tools that ran. But it's, it, I mean, it's definitely not as comprehensive as I, I would have liked it. Um, I think also in the space, like Citus is used a lot for, for real-time analytics. Um, and it, there's no good real-time analytics benchmarks. So it's, it's sort of a little bit of a blind spot and you end up doing a lot of manual testing to make sure that you know, things haven't, haven't slowed down. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you, you can always, improve it more uh, and 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 the, the what what you can actually measure is in a way deeply unsatisfying is like okay I, I i've done a lot of work and i've measured like five workloads out of billions of possible workloads um but uh it's nonetheless important i have this vague memory of from when i worked in the kernel group at sun and i should have corroborated this with someone like brian before today's podcast but it, it Basically, it went like this. If someone was integrating a feature into the kernel and it introduced additional work that was going to negatively impact performance in some way, but but it was a trade-off we had to make. Like we had to introduce that capability, so we were going to have to take the hit and um, accept that performance degradation. Um, the deal was you had to go make a performance improvement somewhere else to try to make it a zero-sum game, if you will. Like okay, we're gonna we're gonna give this up, but we're gonna give you this instead. Um, is that is that something you've ever seen before? Is my is it possible that my memory is valid? It's definitely a thing. Like uh, I, I think more recently, also in Python, they uh, they had sort of similar 
like so someone was trying to do a similar thing. They were trying to uh, make Python better and for multi-threaded workloads and sort of to make up for the for the loss in performance because of uh, on single-threaded workloads, they they added a ton of performance improvements uh, that that would make up for like the 10, 20 percent loss in performance because of extra uh, yeah extra syncing like uh, atomic operations and stuff like that and locks that need to be taken. And I'm I'm not I'm not sure if that actually. I think for Python, I think the thing that happened might have been that they sort of just took the performance improvements and then didn't didn't take the multi-threading or at least not yet, um, because that's I mean that's also possible. Even even if I mean it, everyone has to agree that the feature is worth sort of the performance loss, I guess. Right. Well, what's that quote that you gave the other day, Marco? That I like so much in your PG Confi you talk in Prague. On distributed yeah. systems, um, I, I think it's if you get something nice, you'll probably have to give up something nice. Um, I mean, that's 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 often the case in uh, in distributed systems, although it does does apply to computer systems in general. That um, very few things actually come for free. So, um, and you know, there's often, for example, also in databases, like a balance between reads and writes, right? That like you can make your reads a bit faster by doing a little bit more work on the right side but now your writes are slower so it's like what what is the what is the right trade off there and then you know you could add some kind of dial that users can control it but now you you have a dial which which is annoying like now you have to configure the system it's more complex um so yeah those that that often comes in with with the issue of performance that um you have to make your system design uh, particular trade-offs. All right. So, what are the other big challenges of performance benchmarking? I mean, you've talked about a few, so maybe enumerate the ones we've talked about already. And then, have we missed any? Are there any we haven't gone down the rabbit hole on? I think I think sort of the list that we had so far is figure out what to benchmark from the whole space of benchmarking figure out sort of what you want to get from this benchmark, because even at the start, you don't really, sometimes you don't even know. That's, yeah, what's you, the you, start with, you start with one idea, and it's not actually the, 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 the reason why you end up benchmarking in the end. And then like the, the one is sort of automating it, like setting up, setting up the system, choosing, choosing everything, and, and configuring it, and making sure you didn't configure it wrong, because that's, that happens all the time. Um, did I miss anything, Marco? Is that, is that Yelta? Is that is that wait, repeatability wait, Pino, or is Pino, that separate? From you know, let's get through the list. I want to get it all together. Figure out what to benchmark. <laughs> figure out what you want to get. What's the question? Automating and configuring. What else? Yeah. So I think um, yeah. I mean, we we talked about like the, the 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 thing you're running on, like the hardware, where um, like there there's a certain amount of variability often in the hardware especially in cloud environments and um like you need to sort of accept that in some ways try to measure it um and so that's uh, that's a challenge and then yeah the sheer number of variables of dimensions that that matter and the fact that you don't know those dimensions up front and you cannot always easily 
know, like put a number to those dimensions, like, you know, the, the working set uh, issue. Um, and, and partly like in benchmarking, you're, you're figuring out which dimensions matter as you go along. Um, so that, that process uh, makes it, uh, makes it quite, quite challenging, at least very time consuming, because you don't, you don't know what you're going to find at the start. I think one final one is when to stop, because you can, you, 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 you can continue forever. It's, yeah. uh, every time you find something new, you're like, oh, now I can do this thing. Now we can see if this is faster or this is, this is slower. It's, uh, you sort of have to time box or, I mean, uh, I mean, one, one way to time box is just until you really don't want to anymore. That's that's usually what I stop with benchmarking. It, it's, it's like a hard stop. Like, oh no, I, I I don't want to do this for the next two months at least. So in the chat, some people, some folks have contributed uh, the idea that if you're benchmarking on cloud infrastructure, the um, the the hardware can change underneath you. Um, any advice about that? And is that one? It, it's a, it's an issue. It's it's cloud infrastructure, especially. It's like very variable in in performance in general. So you, the only way sort of to work around that a bit is just running a lot of benchmarks, like running a running a handful, and then and then hoping the difference is large enough that that it's obvious that one is better than the other. Like, I have uh, a so sort of for find, finding sort of the the bell curve. And then seeing like, oh, this peak is clearly, clearly much higher, like more, more, more to the right than than the other. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's the only only real way I've I've been able to do it. But it 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 is time consuming and it costs more money because you have to run the same benchmark over and over again. Um, I want to add a challenge, which may be bigger for some people versus others. Like it all depends on your communication skills, but. I feel like when you've run on these performance benchmarks, you have to then turn around and explain the conclusions, right, to your team. Um, some of whom may not be technologists, some of whom may not, you know, especially if you're trying to influence the product strategy with it, right, or the the go-to-market strategy or whatever. You're, someone's got to interpret all those charts. Someone's got to decide what are the right charts to share of these bazillions of iterations that I've run. Is that a challenge, or does that just come naturally to both of you? It, it is a bit of a challenge because you kind of like by the time you're done, at least it's also you kind of want to show everything because you're like, I spent so much time on this, I did so many benchmarks, I want to show all the benchmarks I did. But then you sort of miss the point of the benchmark in the end. So it is, I mean, it doesn't come super natural, but it's it's. I mean, once you see like, oh, I have a graph with like twenty bars. It's, I mean, it's it's obvious that that's not that's not really tenable. You have to sort of filter out the ones that that don't really add much. But yeah, that 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 does feel painful because you spend so much time getting all this data. But in the end, sort of the this time is really spent finding out what what bars are important, what data points are the ones that you care about now, but didn't know you would care about before the benchmarks. All right. Um, yeah, and I think there, uh, part of the challenge with the the the, the sharing and like is, is is the storytelling and and 
and that you don't know the story up front. Like, <laughs> but um, sometimes when a when a clear picture emerges in terms of, um, I mean, the bigger stories are, you know, how how does how do two competing systems compare, for example? Um, but you just need to be very careful in those stories because you need to be very very confident. Like, there's also like a confidence in interval, right? Like, uh, you know. If if you you think the system slowed down between versions, but actually it was you know your 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 cloud hardware just you were a bit unlucky and you kept getting slower machines at a particular time of day that that happens. Um, but you you can afford to be wrong. Um, but like for for some of the bigger stories, like determining your go to market strategy, you cannot uh, cannot really afford to be wrong. Um, so it's. Um, yeah, often like there, there's often a lot of confidence building you try to do when uh, when you run benchmarks of like, you know, even running the same thing at different times of day. We've we've seen that that matters in cloud environments, uh, strangely enough, especially for distributed systems because the network gets more loaded in certain times of day. Um, but um, yeah, then again, it's also again when do you stop? Like you know, you can always try to become more more confident. Um, but at some point you need to stop and tell a story and then <laughs> hope you're right. <laughs> uh, Melanie Plagman in the chat is wondering if either of you want to start a benchmarking support group. That sounds like a good idea. Performance testers anonymous is Jeremy's proposed <laughs> name. So, um, yeah, I, I would definitely join that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so and I know um, a few other people who will instantly join that. <laughs> all right. Uh, it looks like you've already got a group of 10 to get started. Um, Marco, I know last year um, there was a third-party uh, comparative performance benchmark comparing several different databases against each other that was published. Um, I'm just curious, do you want to talk a little bit about why companies will hire third parties to run those kind of performance benchmarks um, when they want to publish them, like when they want to make the results available to customers and, and prospects and such. Right. Well, I, I guess uh, one of the reasons is like you cannot you cannot trust the vendors, right? Like you the 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 vendor will continue like tweaking their system until they're the fastest. Um, so every every vendor published benchmark ever will will show the same kind of results. Like our bar is bigger than the, the other bar. Um, but so involving the third party they can they can bring a particular type of, of fairness in in the choice of setup and uh and kind of almost also how much time they spend uh you know on 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 tweaking the system and those kind of um aspects um so yeah it's a little bit more objective but of course it's it's they're also often more simplistic in a way like the it's a single Often these comparisons have a single workload on a single setup, and then uh, you know one bar will be higher than another bar. But it could be that if you if you you know had used a different workload or had used a different setup, it, it you know it might have been different. So, um, but like uh, it, it, you kind of also have to sort of interpret. Um, like in this case, it was a comparison between Cosmos PG and GraphQLDB and Yugabyte on the sort of HammerDB TPCC benchmark, and like the the difference in that workload is, is is quite huge. So it's not it's not just a setup thing. Like if you you know you can 
you you can tweak the systems in different ways and, and enable HA, disable HA, have more more memory for one system or less, like change some settings. But like <laughs> the difference is actually a little bit too big for for any of those things to um, to matter. But of course, it says nothing about you know say analytics performance. So you have to uh, also interpret like is this relevant to to my workload? Um, and then um, yeah, I think TPCC again, it's 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 simplistic, not representative of 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 a, of a specific workload, but it it does stre- stress transactional systems in a, in a pretty good way. Um, like it, it gives it a lot of complex work to do, so that's uh, that's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, you always have to like read it with your own read read it with your own interpretation. So as we've meandered around the performance benchmarking topic in the last hour, um, did any other stories come to mind that we have that Pino and I haven't asked you all about um, in terms of your experiences benchmarking, your big epiphanies and lessons learned, your big screw ups, your failures, like the mistake you want to make sure anybody listening to this podcast doesn't have to go through themselves. I think one one super simple thing is make sure your driver, like the the thing that's running the benchmark, is running like a modern operating system. Because in, in like one benchmark, I I I've, I did at some point we figured out that oh, the the benchmark node, not the one with the database, but the one with the benchmarking suite, is is using some some old version of OpenSSL, and that that was so slow that it would slow down the benchmark so much um, without actually showing, without actually seeing that in like CPU statistics or something like that. There were, it was, there was some locking issues there. But yeah, make sure that at least the systems you're running on, they have modern, modern software on, on them, because otherwise you're, you're just going to run into the same performance issues that other people have already solved. Can you define what a modern operating system means to you? If you if you run on Red Hat, only the newest Red Hat, that's for sure. Not not the one that was released five years ago and already had outdated software back then. Okay, but so... yeah, like uh, Ubuntu or like uh, like, but also not like the oldest LTS of Ubuntu. Just like the the newest the newest release of the OS you're you're you care about. I think that's the sort of the short version. Okay, got it. Marco, any any failures you've experienced you want to warn someone else about? Um, well, I, I I know there was there's something that comes to mind where um, it's it's very specific. So I don't, I don't know if it's a if it's a good general warning, but it's just a a frustration I have that um, sometimes you just cannot figure it out, <laughs> and um, like. So we have so Citus has this feature like where you can query from any node. So the client can connect to some random node, and then it it does an insert or something. And and maybe the the shard for that insert is on the same node. Maybe it's on a different node. And so if it's on a different node, it'll make a connection and send the insert over there. And so in principle, this you know this this scales to to very high throughputs. Um, and so a weird thing happens when we bench. The, we've seen this weird thing happening when we benchmark it over and over again that um, like we put a lot of load on the system, but the utilization actually kind of 
goes to like 70, 80% instead of like moving to 100. And my theory is like there's this thing going on where if, if a node gets a little bit too hot, the rate at which it starts offering work to other nodes kind of slows down as well. And therefore, kind of the, the system internally sort of slows itself down again. Uh, so you get into this equilibrium at around 80% utilization. Um, and, and so we're not bottlenecked at anything. It's just like, it, it just stops there. <laughs> so it's like, I've never truly been able to figure out and understand why this happens. It's not necessarily bad because it's sort of self-regulating and like you don't hit super long queues and super spiky response times. It, it actually ha it's actually a sort of nice property, but I have no clue why it happens. <laughs> and I've run this like a lot of benchmarks on this, um, but uh, yeah, still one day hope to figure out why, like what, what are the mechanics behind that? Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just extremely hard to understand why you get, get a particular result. You were gonna talk about how important it is to sometimes step away from your desk and you know get outside go hiking by the canals and um you know take a break and then you have the epiphany and you figure it out um but you haven't figured it out yet in this case yeah yeah i'm still waiting for that, this epiphany but yeah, i mean that's definitely that's good advice like just uh and and in general i, I feel like an important thing in benchmarking is just really like doing a lot of thinking and and, and understanding like what why, why would I get this result? Like, why if I change this variable, uh, I don't know, some s silly thing like workmen, like why do I actually get better results if I have, let's say, a lower workmen? Um, I mean, that can be curious. And, and um, at least, I mean, one thing I enjoy, but it's also really hard is like just, just trying to understand those things and figure those out. And, and, and then if you, if you can figure it out, you also know why you got a particular result and you have confidence in your result, and, you know, you can share it. So in a way that's, that's the sort of like uh, sort of hidden goal of benchmarking where, you know, the, the first goal is you, you run the thing and you, and you get the numbers, but there's the second goal of like actually understanding the system very well. Um, and, 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 and that's, that's kind of what's, uh, uh, enjoyable about it, but also what's sometimes frustrating about it because you cannot always understand it. So you you get something good, which is the understanding of the system, but you have to give up something good, which <laughs> I don't know somehow relates to frustration. I'm trying to make a connection to your great quote you about to, distributed systems. And you have to give up an awful lot of time. Like this is one of the most time-consuming and, and hardest thing in, in database development to me. It's like, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you can be doing this for weeks and, or months even. Um, so that's, that's definitely a big, uh, nice thing you have to give up. But it totally changed your life, Marco. I mean, when definitely, you yeah, it, yeah. I got a lot of nice things back. <laughs> like I gave up a lot of nice things and I got a lot of nice things back. It changed your career path. It changed your, like the path of who you spend your time with in your life. I mean, going back to your AWS part-time CloudFront performance benchmarking job that you did while you were getting your PhD. Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should do more benchmarking. It's, <laughs> it, no, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's an important thing and it's, it's hard to measure the impact, but it can be, you know, it, it, it can be more impactful and often is more impactful than actually writing code and like adding features to your product. Um, although it's hard to know that upfront, you'll, you'll only know in hindsight years later. All right. 
Um, Pino, any final questions before we wrap up? I don't have any final questions, but I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been great. I'm seeing something in the chat that I just want to add to the voice conversation, which is um, Melanie's tip of always checking the logs. Um, I don't know if you guys can see that comment, but she said, one time I was benchmarking a patch and couldn't figure out why it was slower until I realized it was emitting extra warnings because of a mistake in my patch and emitting the warnings was affecting the performance. So um, I, I, I think we would all agree that checking the logs is, is a thing that people do and should yeah. do. And good to remind oneself. Okay. Um, Delta, Marco. Thank you both very much for joining us. Um, this has been an awesome conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm sure a lot of people out there will too. Right. Yeah, uh, it's been I, great. And, uh, you know, like until uh, <laughs> until my next appearance, I don't know when, but uh, this, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a great time. The next episode of this podcast is going to be recorded live on Wednesday, February 7th at 10 a.m. PST. Also on Discord, the guests and topics are still TBD. Uh, one of the guests is already confirmed, but we're still we're still working on lining up second guests. So um, that'll get announced soon. You can mark your calendar by um, if you want to reserve the time right now with this short URL, aka.ms slash path to CytusCon, all one word, hyphen EP12 hyphen Cal, C-A-L. Um, you can get to past episodes and links um, to all the platforms where you can listen to this podcast at aka.ms slash path to CytusCon, all one word. And you can find transcripts on the episode pages on Transistor too. We'd also like to ask you a favor, especially if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, us, rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. That helps other folks find this new show. And a big thank you to everyone who joined the recording live today and participated in the live text chat on Discord. It was fun. Thank you. Ciao, ciao.